It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into your Friday edition Bi-week edition, I should say, of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, Mike Nislik back at it with you again. I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it and saying it and saying it again. Make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. You can get a 14-day free trial to start to get the best, most exclusive insights and bonus content on the Bengals from the largest group of journalists covering Cincinnati. And as an insider, you get the best subscriber-only podcasts, photo galleries, and much, much, much more. You will not be charged the $4.99 a month fee until the end of this said 14-day free trial. To sign up, make sure you go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. If it's easier, you can also send a text message to 513-949-4147. So it's already Friday, and I'm just thinking to myself, this week has flown by. Is it just me, or does it feel like every week just flies by faster and faster? I mean, we're two weeks from Thanksgiving. Like That's, that's pretty, crazy. Pretty ridiculous. Um, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, cause, uh, I'm not trying to think about that because the holidays always sneak up on me every single year. Um, so I'm going to try and give myself like another week before I – go in like i try to like i every year i feel like when it comes time for like christmas or whatever um my parents are like oh yeah like you know what do you want or i'm like my mom's birthday is december 17th so it's like oh crap i have to double up on presents for that so all of that's coming very soon and i'm trying not to think about it so i would prefer every day to go by as slow as possible at this point yeah i'm excited for thanksgiving i'm actually ready for it because uh, i have a tradition where i make the family turkey and i have a pit barrel smoker at my mom's house an hour away from where i live in cincinnati northern kentucky and we are smoking a turkey for the first time this year i've never smoked it have you ever have you guys barrel. ever deep fried a turkey oh yeah it's outstanding, that's what it's we, outstanding. like you'll that's know, what we usually you, do yeah if you deep fry a turkey and then you go to a thanksgiving where somebody puts it in the oven you'll want to smack them in the face like deep fried <laughs> turkey it is exponentially better yeah so we got that to look forward to i guess absolutely michael have you given any thought to that at all uh time time <laughs> holidays time is a life, construct life uh, philosophy the world Maybe not that deep, but yeah, time. The days go by slow and the years go by fast. That's my thought on time. A sage. Is that a, is that a Mike saying or is that a as they say saying? That's as they say. As they I, say. Not, I, yeah, the, the day is undetermined. 
Amen, brother. Well, man, talk about time flying by. We are already in the second half of the season. It just feels like yesterday the Bengals were 5-4 and four last season with a lot of questions of will they make a run? What will a run it look like? It was just yesterday that they were just 5-4. and four. Just yesterday and just last year. I mean, And just tomorrow and just vu. the day after that and just the day after the that. The week oh, after yeah. that. But no, you talk about deja vu. It just feels like yesterday the five and four Bengals were sitting at the bye week in 2021, just as they are now, which leads to the question that a lot of people asked last year as far as storylines go. And we're going to talk about this a lot as the day go on this season. But really, just from where we are in the here and now, how primed are the Bengals not just to make a second half run, but to get into the playoffs? Well, it's going to be hard. Second half run, make them into the playoffs? Yeah, I was flying right by that. <laughs> the, uh, the the Bengals, I mean, it's going to be hard. They have, um, I, I believe, according to just win percentage right now, they have the toughest schedule um, in the in the NFL for the remainder um, for the final eight games of the year. Uh, the Ravens have one of, if not the easiest schedules in the year. So, like, I know Mike, like, after, I think it was after the Browns game, Mike just kind of cast off the division and, like, don't want to do that yet, I don't think, but you're our game behind um, against the Ravens team that is getting healthier. So, like, basically what you're doing is you're limiting yourself to three spots. Um, and right now, I mean, the AFC East is actually pretty formidable because you got the Bills at the top. Um, I am interested to see what happens to Josh Allen's elbow um, because that is going to matter a whole heck of a lot because you've got – the Bills are six and two, but you've got the Jets and the Dolphins at six and three, and then the Patriots are five and four right behind that. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and discount the Colts. I don't think they're anything right now. Um, the Broncos kind of look to be dead in the water too. So, like again, famous last words, but like there's going to be a cluster at the end of the at the end of the season for that seventh spot in the wild card, and the Bengals are going to have to beat some really really good teams to do it. So, like. I don't think they're primed for a playoff run at all um, because just because of the schedule, you're still waiting on DJ reader and Jamar chase and you just lost Jadobi Awuzie. Like they're, they're, they're injured. And you it's, I think it's a lot to ask to say, Oh, Jamar chase is going to come back against the Titans and be 100% or DJ reader is going to come back against the Steelers and be 100%. So they're fighting an uphill battle, and and I'm and I'm curious to see how they kind of fight back against that. Well, what's the tiebreaker in the division? Is it is it if the head to head? It well, it's it's head to head. Um, so they would have to beat the Ravens in the final game. Of, like if they lose to the Ravens, the final game of the year, that doesn't matter. Adios. Um, but if if they beat the, if Ravens, the Ravens, win the if the Ravens win two more, they've essentially locked it up. Yeah, because the the Bengals are already zero and three in the division, and, and Ravens are two and zero. So they, the Ravens are right. I, I, yeah, I don't. I, that's just impossible. I think for them to win the division, I think it's wild card, and they're in a better situation because they've got tiebreakers against the Jets and the Dolphins. Uh, and they play the, they play the Patriots on Christmas Eve, so that that right. game is kind so of looking bigger. They have uh, they can control their destiny more in the wild card. I feel like than the division because they've lost everybody. Um, you know, are they primed? I don't know. I, I think it'll depend on how healthy they can get, uh, what Jamar Chase gives them, uh, what DJ Reader gives them, um, how their secondary looks. Uh, you know, uh, is Cam Taylor Britt going to hold up down the stretch? Is Eli Apple? I think there's a lot more question marks than they'd like to admit. 
I think they can paper over those with some more games offensively like they had against uh, Atlanta or um, Carolina, whether it's mixing, you know, destroying people or Burrow, whatever, whatever works, um, that would help. But um, those have been sort of very hard to come by. Um, so we'll see. I, I think it's, I think it's a tough road just because like you, you mentioned, Andrew, the schedule is not going to be your friend. Um, and they've made, you know, they've, cl- I feel like they've closed off one of the avenues towards making the playoffs. So um, the margin for error is not as, 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 as big as you'd like. Yeah, I think, yeah, the division, you don't want to completely rule it out. I, I agree, but look, if they had beaten the Browns and if McPherson doesn't miss that PAT against Steelers, we are having a way different conversation, like way different, but we are where we're at. I'm not going to rule them out, but I don't think it's going to happen as far as winning a division title. A playoff run is very much possible because the good thing for them is, yes, they are at five and four just as they were last year. But you think about, you know, the head-to-head tiebreakers. Look at the NFL playoff picture right now. The Jets are the five seed. The Dolphins are the six. They beat both of those teams this year. So if it comes down to it with this cluster that Andrew mentioned, you have that to your advantage. They played the Titans who, uh, you know, they're – I mean, they're going to lead the division where they're at in the AFC South with the way things are, but a win against them would be critical. That's their second to next opponent after the bye week, after they play at Pittsburgh. You know, if if there were the injuries we had with Cheeto Luzier, and if we know for certain DJ Reader is going to be 100%, we know he's coming back. We don't know how on his game he'll be. You mentioned Jamar Chase, too. I mean, he'll be back soon. We don't know how soon, but he will be back hopefully soon enough. But you got to ask yourself, like, you know, how well can they do with where those guys are at health-wise? How can they overcome not having Cheeto? How can they overcome a really, like, we talked about it on the last podcast the other day, a secondary that's going to have a lot of struggles with just Awozie and the way Apple's playing and just the uncertainty of Dax Hill and Trey Flowers. I mean, it's, it's a very tall task. It's not impossible. I do think... If they can put together a very similar run to what they did last year and they beat Baltimore in that Week 18 game, which will be you know back in Cincinnati, will be a heck of an atmosphere, it's very much possible. But it's very tough. I think it's harder than what they had to go through last year because I think the strength of schedule they have coming up is harder than the strength of schedule they had in the second half of last year. And later in the show, we'll talk specifically about games in that schedule that we didn't mention already. Well, uh, and, and, and on that point in Week 18, I, you almost – like the more you think of it, like if you do genuinely think the division is a lost cause, you almost kind of want Baltimore to run away with it because if Baltimore's sitting in like that two or three seed and you know that they're in that two or three seed going into week 18, you're okay with that because then maybe Tyler Huntley's the quarterback for that game and maybe Mark Andrews doesn't play. So like, you know, the, the end of the season can get real wonky in that regard. Um, so, I mean, look, Josh Allen's elbow is, I think, really concerning, and they play them the week before that. So there, there's still a lot that can be determined. Um, you know, the Buccaneers game doesn't look as formidable as it did at the start of the year. Um, but, yeah, the the last few games of the year are really, really going to – I mean, it's you obviously – it's stating the obvious to say they're going to decide their season. But you there's a, I think there's a way it can break in your favor if you're the Bengals. Yeah, most certainly. And I think uh, the next storyline I want to get to, touching on that, you both touched on Jamar Chase and him returning and what you can get out of him. So the question I think that's worth asking is when he comes back, whether it's against Tennessee 
or most likely Kansas City the week after that on December 4th. How much different will the Bengals' offense be from what we saw in the first half? Obviously, they went off with Joe Mixon, which was their first game without or their second game without Jamar Chase after he got injured. How much different and or how much better does the offense get when Jamar Chase returns? Well, I think that's kind of a loaded question um, because, first off, I don't think the first half entirely is what you want to look at. I think you want to look at that end of the first half stretch. Um, you know, when they played the when they played the Falcons, when they played the Saints, um, that's kind of what you thought this offense was going to look like all along. Uh, you know, that was the game where they really started to kind of figure things out. Um, you know, there was that stretch pretty much after the first two drives in New Orleans through the through the Atlanta game where they've just played really, really well. So, um, you know, I, I think if that's what you can look like, then um, then that's obviously a, a really big positive for a defense that might not be as good in the second half just because of injuries and things like that and the offenses that you're going to play. Um, and then it also depends on Jamar Chase's health. Like if Jamar Chase is going to max out at, you know, this is a typical cliche sports question, but it's like, you know, what if seven is he's at 70%? Is it 70% or 95% of Stanley Morgan or whatever you want to say? Like, it, it depends how healthy he's going to be. And it depends on what you mean by first half. So, like, I think if he's 100% healthy, it can look like it did in those games where they exploded. But you need that to happen. Um, and then you need uh, you need them to kind of settle into form again. Because against some of these teams, like, you're not going to hold the Bills and the Chiefs and the Ravens and, you know, and the even, I mean, when they play the Browns again, they're going to have Deshaun Watson and he'll be in his second game. So, like, maybe he shook a little bit of rust off in Houston that week, week before. So you're, you're going to have to score some points. So if if the offense isn't what it was, their season's, their season's over. They're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to talk about players to watch, too, and um, storylines. I think Jamar Chase is, like, everything, right? Like, um, can he come back? Can he come back and be effective? Can he, you know, stay healthy? I think those are sort of all intertwined and and will sort of um, uh, decide what this team's ceiling is, right? Like, uh, I I just feel like they are um, really going to be dependent on, on his health um, you know, against some of these these big these better teams, you know, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo, uh, being two two of those. Uh, I, I just think that you know he was on crutches. He didn't, you know, they 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 didn't put him on IR, so obviously they're optimistic. But I don't think we, you know, nobody really knows how quickly he's going to kind of bounce back from this, and I think that's what uh, you know is going to be kind of what everybody, you know, media fans, uh, other teams uh, is going to be paying attention to. Yeah, I think, you know, the narrower way to ask that question is, you know, can they be more explosive when he comes back? And a lot of that depends on just, you know, how much more effective or as effective will he be in that little stretch Andrew mentioned, because that's when it really came to life and his homecoming at New Orleans and that big win over Atlanta, which was, you know, their biggest win of the year until they played Carolina, one of their biggest wins of the year, you know. It's tough. I mean, you know, his hip injury wasn't that serious as we've talked about, you know, on some of the previous podcasts and as we've talked about before. But, you know, you do want to see how does an explosive player like him, who's one of the best at his position, come back after that. And that's why I think the Bengals really don't want to rush that. That's why I really, I mean, we can't say for sure, but if I had to guess, I wouldn't think we see him against Tennessee 
for sure we see him against Kansas City because that's a game where you pray to God and hope that that's where he's at his best health. And he should be with the timetable that has kind of been talked about. But, you know, I think the other element is, well, at least now Joel Mixon is getting going. You know, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, now they're starting to figure out, okay, we have a bigger role beyond what we've been doing with Jamar. Now we have to kind of do things we weren't doing already. And they started to sort of figure that out with some of the routes that they were running specifically against uh, the Carolina Panthers. And, I mean, with Trent Taylor and um, Trent and Irwin, there's only so much you get out of those guys with the few snaps they get. But, yeah, I think once he comes back, I don't know if it's more explosive. I just think you hope that he replicates that little two, three-game window that Andrew mentioned. But speaking of the offense, of course, the centerpiece of it all is a name we haven't even really mentioned, and that's Joe Burrow. Last week, we started looking at the odds and the potential of Joe Burrow being MVP. So I want to run through the latest MVP odds, uh, most updated recently within the last day by Caesar Sportsbook. So it goes as follows. Really not much different except one change from what we talked about. So at number one, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite, plus 200. Josh Allen is trailing right behind him, favorite, plus 225 at second. At number three, you guessed it, Jalen Hurts, still in that three spot, plus 250. Number four also hasn't changed. Lamar Jackson, favorite, plus 900. Now, this is the switch that I was going to get to. Joe Burrow was at number five the other week. This week at number five, it's Tua Tagovailoa, favorite, plus 1,500. And right behind him at number six is Joe Burrow, plus 2,000. I know the main consensus we kind of came upon, at least Michael and I did, is that there is a chance Burrow can win it or at least be in the top three but it's just going to be a lot more difficult. So when you look at that and sort of how he switched out with Tua and just the way that those other names, Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts have been playing, Lamar too, of course. I mean, how much harder or does it really change for Joe as far as those MVP odds? Well, I think if they're going to make a playoff run, it'll be in the conversation. I think he'll probably move up to a couple spots if, if they do. Uh, I think that they're going to need it. Uh, you know, Josh Allen could be missed some time here with that elbow injury. That's something to watch. Um, and we've, like we've said, uh, three, three of those players, three of those players he plays, he's beat Tua in the head to head matchup. So, um, uh, I think it's certainly possible that he gets in the running. Uh, we talked about the numbers the other day in our, our midseason, uh, awards for the offense, which people should go listen to. Um, they're right exactly. there in terms of, um, you know, uh, MVP worthy numbers. I mean, they are really good. And I think some of the Bengals sort of inconsistency has overshadowed that. Um, but not a lot of that, you know, some of it can be thrown at Burrow's feet, especially that first game. But outside of that, I mean, he's been really good. Andrew, what do you say to that? Yeah. Um, he like, I'm not doubting that he can't get into the conversation. Um, I just, I don't see a path for him winning. Um, like, because kind of like we just talked about, I don't look at the Bengals as a team that are going to kind of run away with, with anything record wise. Um, they're five and four. And I, I mean, whether they're going to make the playoffs is a debate obviously right now, but do we think they're going to finish with whatever record? So I looked this up, uh, since 2010, one non-quarterback has won uh, MVP, and that was uh, Adrian Peterson. And actually, if you go back farther, um, I think the last – it was Adrian Peterson, and then before that it was 2006 when LT won MVP. Another so running one, 
you've got one non-quarterback that has won this award since 2007. But since 2012, or excuse me, since 2010, here are the quarterbacks' records that won the that won the award: 14 and two, 15 and one, then Peterson won. 13 and three, 12 and four, 15 and one, 11 and five, 13 and three, 12 and four, 14 and two, 13 and three, 13 and four. Like, I, I understand that his that his numbers are right there. Um, you know, when you talk about this, and like, look, the the Bengals could. I mean, they could finish nine and eight, beat the Bills, get into the playoffs as a wild card, and Joe Burrow could finish the year with better numbers on paper than Josh Allen. I mean, let's assume that the elbow injury is not a thing here, but right. That's you, a good point. You kind of look at the, the records here of these quarterbacks um, who wins this award quarterbacks and quarterbacks that are on really good teams that have really good numbers, because obviously teams that are really good, uh, almost hundred percent of the time have a really good quarterback. So I just don't see any scenario where the Bengals can do that because like, they have eight games left. Like if they rattled off eight in a row, which like I don't think anybody's going to predict, they're thirteen and four, and that that puts him right in the middle of that. Um, like I, I just I don't know. Like you look at the year that Matt Ryan won um, when they went eleven and five. Um, that was the year they made the Super Bowl. Um, but he, he threw for almost five thousand yards, thirty eight touchdowns, didn't have a lot of picks. Like that is a year that you kind of need in this situation. And I just don't think you're going to be able to justify saying, okay, Joe Burrow is the MVP, even if theoretically you might be able to look at it because I know there's this whole debate, best player or most valuable player, because sometimes those things are not the same. That's Um, a very good distinction. So you, you look at kind of the way that Joe Burrow can win this award to me, and it's not necessarily fair, but the way that he wins this award is if the Bengals go like, at worst, six and two down the stretch, because otherwise the, the Eagles are eight and zero as we record this. If the Eagles go, you know, if they if they finish thirteen and four, like if they finish five and four down the stretch, and Jalen Hurts has, you know, pre, he throws for over four thousand yards and he rushes for like six or seven hundred more. Are we? Is anybody going to be able to justify giving it to Burrow over Hurts? I mean, I think there's an argument. I just don't think there, there's not a precedent for this. So to me, I understand it's an individual award, but a lot of times, right or wrong, it gets decided by the team and the Bengals are not going to be good enough. So like I told Muhammad, whenever we discussed this a week or two ago, if you want to bet on Joe Burrow and you have a free bet, do it. Otherwise, go flush your money down the toilet because I think you're, you're wasting some cash here. No, but the, good, the odds are good enough to take a flyer on it. I don't think it's unheard of. Yeah, free bet. <laughs> I'm not betting real dollars on this. Five dollars is, I think, is is uh, acceptable. Yeah, that's a Wendy's four for four that you're just giving away. Ew, you could do better than that. Wendy's. Oh, we're not going to have Wendy's four for four slander on here. But to me, we're having it now. So sorry, buddy. What is four like four items for four dollars? Do you not know what the Wendy's four for four is? No, I, oh, I know. No I know what it is. I just wish I didn't know what it was. To no, be honest Ma- with you. Mike, do you not? Is that four dollar items? Yeah, yeah. You get you get four <laughs> things in a four dollar. You can get like you can get like a um, it's like you can get like a burger. I think it's a burger, nuggets, fries, and then like a like a medium drink for four dollars. Is this new? 
No, this has been a thing for very long. Like this has been like this has been a part of their marketing campaign since I've been in college. Like this is a I've long, never heard I've never long. seen an ad for is this Wendy's you said? Yes. I can't I've never this seen is it. the most mind-blowing thing I've ever heard. The, okay, the first article that I find, iSpot.tv. I don't know what website that is. Wendy's four for four meal TV spot doesn't feel like a meal. October twelfth, twenty fifteen. This has been a yeah. thing for seven yeah. years. I guess. I mean, I haven't had like real TV in a long time. Like I have. Uh, we just do streaming, so I don't oh. know. Maybe I guess that's... Joe Burrow was a freshman in college when this thing came out. Yeah, and Andrew, I, oh. I, love, I love you, man. But gosh, this four for four deal. I think that's a, yeah, a good stop. We're not going to have uh, any. We're not going to have any slander on this. So, Muhammad, if you're going to slander this, back off. Whoa. Well, it's delicious. It's wonderful. Whoa. It's, well, I'm here. It was the peak of going off the rails. This has gone off the rails. Yeah, I'm a defender of Wendy's. Hold the line. Well, let's bring Hold this back line. on the rails. Let's let's bring this back on the rails, gentlemen. As we're going to try to take a break here when we come back on the Strictly Strikes podcast, we're going to talk about more breakout players we didn't mention already, along with what we think specifically about the toughest games ahead if the Bengals want to make a run. You're listening to the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So as far as players go, we talked about how impactful can Jamar Chase be? What are the chances of a Joe Burrow MVP? As far as other players go, you know, players to watch, things to watch, who or what are some players that stick out to either of you guys that could be or should be poised for a really deep run in the second half of the season. Well, I, I don't know about breakout. I, I just view it player to watch. And I think it's Chase. Yeah. I think it's Reader. I think it's Apple slash Taylor Britt. Um, it, you know, both of them I sort, I, I sort of think are they're intertwined, obviously, in the Bengals' success, I think, um, uh, is, is sort of uh, contingent upon them playing well in the back half. And then um, I think it's – uh, Jonah Williams, I, I'd put on there just because I think that this offensive line needs to keep kind of improving and, and taking steps forward. And that left tackle spot's uh, su- such a critical uh, spot. And I think if he ups his game, I think that, that that'd really help here down the stretch. I think that's probably my my list. Yeah, um, I mean, I there's not really much I can say here other than echoing what Mike just said. I, I was really going to kind of hone in on Jonah Williams. Um, I believe he leads all linemen in sacks allowed this year. Um, Pressures allowed, according to Pro Football Focus. You were listening to the offensive podcast a couple days ago. Uh, One of of our writers said that. I can't remember which one. I don't know. I don't know, but it was probably not well stated. Um, (laughs) So I didn't remember it well (laughs) enough. Um, But, uh, yeah, you need more out of him. But, yeah, I mean, like, truthfully, I think it's it's kind of boring and basic, but – you got to watch the guys that are going to be um, you got to watch the guys that are going to be, that are going to be injured. Um, like if you, if you want to look breakout, I think you could probably say like either you could pick either Hendrickson or Hubbard um, because like I've said, like 
Trey Hendrickson has been outstanding. Sam Hubbard has been outstanding. Like you have said, that is not come. Those are words you've not I, said all season yeah, long. Yeah, I, I suggested <laughs> he wasn't Lawrence Taylor and Mike wet himself. Um, That's the, probably a good thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was a poor example, but you get my point. Aaron, how about Aaron Donald? I suggested he wasn't Aaron Donald, and Mike lost it. Um, but the uh, yeah, I, I think that you know, especially with the numbers that you're going to have, you know, maybe depth wise uh, in the secondary, um, and then just the guys who are playing in general, uh, you really could use little bit more pressure on the quarterback to get him down and not just put pressure on him, but to get him down. Um, and if you can do that, you can give yourself, I mean, sacks kill drives. So if you can do that, maybe you'd draw some more holding calls. You can really kind of impact things. So again, those guys have been really, really good, but I think you need, if you can look at the numbers and say like, okay, if you can get just an extra sack every game from one of the extra or every other game, from one of those guys each, I think this could go a long way. But, yeah, I mean, Mike had most of the guys that you're really going to have to focus on here down the stretch. I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned Eli Apple as a player to watch. Why do you say that? I think it's interesting because we talked about how he's underperformed this year, but what makes you so optimistic he'll do the opposite in the second half? Player to watch, like I think he's a concern, and like oh, and, I see, like, I see. I, I view it as you know whether he breaks out or not. I mean that that I mean that's a good question. I think that's why he's a player to watch. I think he needs, I think he needs to play more like he did against the Panthers than he did against uh, you know New Orleans. The uh, if, if they're gonna have <laughs> they're gonna have a, a, a good second half. Uh, I mean because he's basically the number one corner right now, and and you know he's playing next to a rookie who you're going to have to deal with sort of ups and downs. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to, you know, lock to, to do that, but I think that's a big question mark. That's why I'd be, uh, you know, honing in on him as a guy that you want to have on your radar because his success or his failure is going to go a long way into determining if this team makes the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's a fair point. And I'm glad you clarified that the readers, the big name on defense, we talked about, you know, in the, just defensive awards podcast the other day about how it's going to be nice to have him back. But, you know, I mean, it really, really is going to be nice to have him back. I mean, ever since he's been in Cincinnati for the last three years now, it's a name you can't say enough about, especially on that interior line, you know, and when you got Derrick Henry coming up and you've got, you know, the likes of other running backs like Nick Chubb, who's going to be back in Cincinnati for that rematch in December when, Guess who else is going to be back? Deshaun Watson. Like, when you get those guys coming up in, in town with the second half, I mean, you want to talk about a second half run, you got to stop the Nick Chubbs and the Derrick Henrys and, you know, any other running back in between who's going to be difficult for Cincinnati. You know, offensively, on the flip side of that, you talk about running the ball. I mean, look, Joe Mixon had a great game, a historic game. We talked a lot about that on our postgame podcast earlier last Sunday. He's not going to put up 200-yard games for the rest of the year, but – I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really cool to see if he is going to be trending upward and upward. Like, if that was a turning point for him as far as his season, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. I mean, it was kind of the same thing last year. Not as bad because obviously he was a Pro Bowl running back. So he had a great season overall. But you look at those games he had in the second half against Las Vegas, against Pittsburgh, which were second half games they played. I mean, some of the best games of his career came in those games. And so I wonder, 
you know, with the bye week and having the confidence of a big game like that and sort of regaining that trust if he might have lost it with his performances, you know, with the coaches, I'd like to see if he breaks out of that. Um, you know, we talked about Chase. I think with Higgins and Boyd, they're going to have to get comfortable with them for at least another two games. So, you know, do they step up even more? Of course they have to, but how much better can they get? I mean, I think we, there could be a, not just a lot more production, which is, again, it's going to happen, but how good will those plays be? Like, there'll be plays that have to be made. How special will they be? How electric will they be? I think that's something to look at as well. Um, so those are my uh, – I think those are my big ones, but you guys definitely touched on the rest of those. Do you think maybe there's sort of like a sleeper, like a player that we're not even talking about who could just like blow our socks off come heck, second half of the season? I just feel like it's there, and I just feel like we're missing out on that person right now. No, I I feel like that's a discussion where it's you're – you're almost just picking a name out of a hat for, for no reason at that point. Um, because like in that, like in that situation, it would have to be something along the lines of like, like, I don't know, X player gets hurt. And then this player comes along because like, we've seen a decent portion of this team play. So like it, you would almost have, it would have to be something like, Oh, I predict Joe Mixon's going to get hurt. And Samaje P Ryan's going to come in. You, you just <laughs> do that. So yeah. I, I think we kind of hit on most of the, most of the topics there. So to kind of wrap up here, you know, we talked a lot about, in the first half of this show with, you know, the Bengals making a run, sitting at five and four, they're going to play their toughest games or at least most of their toughest games of the year in this point. So let's just go through the schedule, which before I do that, uh, we mentioned already, they have the toughest second half schedule of any team up to this point in the NFL. So they're on the bye right now. Then next week they play at Pittsburgh. That was flexed from a Sunday night game to a 425 game. Then the week of Thanksgiving on Sunday, they play at Tennessee. Their first time there since that playoff upset back in January. They come home. They welcome Kansas City, who they had an amazing game against at home last year and later in the AFC Championship game, who they beat in overtime. And then you welcome, most likely, Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb and the Browns. Then you go on the road again. You play at Tampa Bay. You stay on the road. You head up to New England. Christmas week, Christmas Eve, you play at New England. That's an afternoon game. It goes without adding to that the Buccaneers game is a 425 game, like the Chiefs game. Then, dun da da dun, Monday night, week 17, January 2nd, you play Buffalo. That's going to be an 830 game. And then week 18, the time has not been declared yet, but they will be playing Baltimore, which is an absolute must win, depending on how the division plays out and how the AFC wildcard picture plays out for the Bengals. So we talked a lot about some of those specific games earlier, like Tennessee and Kansas City and Cleveland. If you had to pick, and this is a tough one, but if you had to pick one game out of that slate, that's going to be the most difficult. Which one would it be and why? Um, well, I mean, when you were like, when you asked this uh, question to us, it was, you know, which one is the hardest game and which one's a must win. I think they're two different answers. Um, sure. So, so how say, would you break those two? Down? Yeah. The, the Bills game to me is the hardest game just because I think the Bills are the best team in the league. Um, that is a game that the Bills are still going to be playing. Um, you know, they're like, it, I don't see them kind of running away with the AFC. They're tied with Kansas City right now. They're a half game above Baltimore. Um, but like if Josh Allen's going to be out, you know, maybe he hopefully he's, you know, hopefully he's all healthy and back. But, um, you know, assuming Josh Allen is Josh Allen in that game, 
Um, I, that's just going to be the toughest game, I think, because he's a monster. And I think they're the best team in the league when he's healthy. So I think that's your toughest game. Um, this is going to come as a surprise, and I don't mean this as a contrarian pick only. Uh, I actually think your must-win down the stretch isn't Baltimore. It's New England. Um, because we kind of ran through the wild-card teams here. You've already beat the Jets. You've already beat the Dolphins. Um, you don't play the Chargers, who were in the thick of it. But, like, uh, unless you think the Colts are going to um, – like, unless you think the Colts are really going to rebound here um, with Jeff Saturday, like, basically what you're doing is you're saying, like, okay – three of the teams that are in this little chase with the Bengals, you've just got to finish with the same record as them and you're going to be ahead of them. So I think that that new England game, I think it's going to be a really, really sneaky, tough game too. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a short week um, because they're going to go play in Tampa Bay on Sunday at four 30. Then you got to fly back and then you're going to play on Saturday in new England. So it is a short week. It, it's New England in late December. It's going to be ridiculously cold. Um, so to me, that that is a really, really sneaky, tough game that you're going to have to play. And I think, honestly, it's the game where if you if you win, you're feeling pretty decent about your wild card shot. Now, obviously, that depends on you know how the previous five games go before it. But to me, that is a game that you just look at and say, like, if you can win that one, you're you're setting yourself up. Yeah, I mean that's. I think Kansas City is the toughest game just in terms of placement in the schedule. Um, you know, with Jamar Chase sort of being questionable, sort of in that stretch, um, Kansas City is going to be motivated. They lost two to the uh, Bengals last year, um, and I think now with the secondary the way it is, without Chidobe, that's not a, a real good matchup against them. You know, they, they look to push it deep. Not that Buffalo isn't a, 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 as capable, but. I just think that's a bad matchup, and I think that's one that's going to be, you know, Kansas City is going to have circled on their uh, their calendar. I I think that New England analysis of that game was was pretty good in terms of, you know, that's going to be kind of a critical spot there, especially in terms of the wild card. The last two, I think, kind of, you know, with Buffalo, Baltimore, those back to back will depending, you know, depend on where everybody's at in the race. You know, you said Buffalo will be playing everybody, but. Will they like if Allen does have this elbow thing that they have to watch the rest of the season and they can't win home field and they're locked into second place? You maybe do rest him, right? Like you know, because he's gonna you know you don't want to further injure that. And Baltimore, if they run away with the AFC North, you know, really all they need is two wins, so it's not running away. But like it's done, you know. Do they try to eliminate the Bengals or do they say like what's the point and rest everybody? So those could actually be much easier than anticipated, or they could be, you know, obviously what they are against, you know, full strength team. Um, but right now does the schedule, the way it looks, I think Kansas city is the toughest. Yeah. As far as the toughest, I obviously it's going to come down to either Kansas city or Buffalo. Ah, man. And I'm, it's tough because they're both really, really good teams. Like the AFC is going to run through one of those two teams, just like it did last year. I mean, it ran through Kansas city last year. I think it's probably going to run through Kansas City again this year, and that really depends on, like we've talked about, the severity of the Allen elbow issue. And I mean, you know, just I mean, the Chiefs—they're—they're—they they're, they just this is their time. I mean, this is the last couple of years have been their years. I mean, don't forget they were in the Super Bowl less than two years ago. They're just over two years removed from a championship, and I understand they don't have players like Tyree Kill. But what's so impressive is that the Chiefs are putting up numbers they have without him. 
and the way that they played Tennessee and that crazy Sunday night win. I mean, Mahomes is – we talk about backyard Burrow. He's backyard Mahomes, and I think that's going to be uh, the toughest game. I'm with Andrew on that one. Not, and, and, I mean, that Buffalo game, fasten your seatbelts. That, that's not that far behind as far as the toughness of schedule. But, man, you know, Andrew, you made a good point with that New England game because if you look at the uh, playoff picture – so the Bengals and the Patriots are both on the bubble. Technically, on the bubble, uh, this is based on just conference schedule. Patriots are eight. Bengals are nine. I haven't really seen the Patriots schedule for the rest of the year. But regardless, I mean, playing at New England that late in the year, when both teams are going to be just fighting for at least one of those wild card spots at the very least, that's going to be a crazy game. I will say, too, though – and. Maybe you guys will laugh or you might possibly agree with me. I mean, you know, that Cleveland game will be interesting because when they beat the brakes off the Bengals, this was with Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, Deshaun Watson hasn't played a game in almost two years, but, I mean, I'd like to see, I mean, what the Browns do with Deshaun Watson, with Nick Chubb, especially after what they did uh, just less than two weeks ago. And, I mean – Defensively, they should get guys like Denzel Ward back and Wyatt Teller back and plays, players that didn't play in that win. I mean, those are some of their best players on both sides of the ball. So that'll be really interesting. I know the yeah. division might be out of reach, but just given the nature of what happened two weeks ago, that's another game to, to watch out for, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the atmosphere in that game is going to be more interesting to watch in terms of how – Hostile that crowd will be, and, and I think it's all deserved. Uh, so oh, yeah. that, that would be sort of right. the thing I'm watching for in well, terms of that game. The other thing, too, here is that the Browns are three and five, uh, and they're, ne- they're coming out of a bye this weekend, and their next three games are at Miami, at Buffalo, and home against the Buccaneers. Um, and that's obviously without Deshaun. Um, and then you have Houston on the road and Houston's not very good, but that game is going to be just a spectacle in and of itself for, uh, non-football reasons. And then, you exactly. gotta go to, and then you got to go to Cincinnati. So four out of their next five Cleveland's games, that is, are on the road. And then they come home to play Baltimore. They have an easy end of the season, but they might take themselves out of it before then. So to me, that that's kind of something worth monitoring too, um, because the, the Bengals might get the Browns when they're kind of either on the ropes or already knocked, knocked outside the ring. Um, exactly. So to me, that, that is going to be, that's going to be an interesting kind of thing here to monitor over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, that is going to be a heck of a dynamic. And I also don't want to overlook the Tennessee game because I mean, you know, they have Malik Willis right now and he looked really interesting against the chiefs. And of course they're a team that's a word for it. I mean, he he, he wasn't, wasn't. He, he he struggled throwing the ball. I think he what he complete like five passes. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying with his legs. I mean, one minute he looked really elusive, and the next minute it just looked like he was lost. Which is why I'm like, okay, maybe he'll figure some things out in the next couple of weeks. But regardless of him, I mean, that's a team that's probably going to win their division with the way things look in the AFC South. Should win their division, pending some weirdness from whoever, like the Colts, but. Uh, you know, I mean, and the cool, the funny thing about it is, I mean, you know, the last time they met was in the AFC divisional round when Logan Wilson had that late pick with like 30 seconds left before McPherson kicked the game-winning field goal. So you talk about atmosphere, like Mike said. I mean, that Tennessee atmosphere. I don't know if you guys have been to that stadium, man. That place can get loud, and especially with a high-stakes game, second half of the year playoff rematch. That'll be a big game. The Bengals are going to have to win to just 
you know, stay in the thick of things like we've talked about. I, I think that's a game you can't really afford to lose specifically. But no, that'll be a really good game, too. I'm actually excited for that because um, Nashville's a nice city. But I mean, I, I guess I wanted to ask, too. I mean, as far as like just cities and atmospheres go, are there any cities like you guys are excited to hit on the road this second half? Like, what are you guys most excited about for, for the cities? Well, the beach in December is going to be nice. Tampa, Tampa Bay, yeah. December 18th, or what day? It was uh, December, I think that December, is December 18th, 18th. You're right. Yeah, I, I I think that that's a, I think that that'll be a fun one to be. I mean, Nashville is obviously great, but leaving Ohio in December for Florida is not necessarily a bad thing. Not at all. Not at all. What about you, Mike? Well, they're all work trips, man. I'm all work. I can't, can't think about this. <laughs> you want to think about partying, I got work to do. Mike does that thing where the team account tweets business trip and they have like a player like walking onto the plane with a briefcase and sunglasses on. That's Mike. Without yeah, the briefcase, <laughs> well, you have a backpack, right? Don't you usually have your stuff in a backpack? It'd be a backpack. It's, it's adjacent. Close enough. Yeah, man. I mean, that that's a good point. I know the weather's going to be miserable, but I've never been to Boston. So even though we'll be in Foxborough for the game, we'll probably be staying in Boston. So um, that'd be pretty cool. I've never been that far up north. I've never been farther north than New York City. So that'll be interesting for me. But yeah, uh, that's cool. I mean, I mean, Nashville is kind of like a homecoming for me because I used to work an hour from there in Bowling Green in Kentucky. So I used to go there a lot and I have family that live there. So that'll be kind of exciting for me. But yeah, uh, the travels, that's one of the things I enjoy about this job. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It can be a lot sometimes. I think like that Baltimore-New Orleans stretch was, that was a long grind. But overall, I think it's pretty fun seeing different places. You know, it's all good. I want to finally wrap up, though, with, uh, you know, we can't miss it. It's Friday. Flashback Friday. I want to kind of pick your brains on this a little bit because this might be a hard sell, but what has been the most embarrassing embarrassing moment for either of you guys, specifically as sports reporters? Like, where have you felt the most embarrassed? And obviously, you know, you moved on from it, but what was the most embarrassing moment for you? I, I've got you on the spot here. <laughs> you go first because you, you thought of it. I'm just thinking of it now. So... I have to go back in time for this one. Almost four years ago, a little over three and a half years ago, when I was in college, I interned at one of the TV stations in Lexington where I went to college at at UK. And um, I went to some Kentucky basketball games with the sports reporters that I was shadowing. And I got to be in on the press conferences and uh, post-game stuff. So they had just been in Arkansas, Kentucky did. And Mike Anderson was the head coach of the Razorbacks. He's not anymore, but he was. And there's a reason why he's not anymore. But my thing is, you know, this was new for me. Like, I know he – so Mike Anderson, for those college basketball fans, for those who don't know, he's not the easiest going guy. He's even way less easygoing when they lose. So I meant to ask him, like, because they were already a losing team. Their shots of, like, winning the SEC were bar to none. So I was trying to ask him something along, along the lines of, like, you know – what can you appreciate or take away from a game like this, regardless of, you know, winning or losing? I was just so nervous. And I was just like, um, what did you want to take away from a game like this? And so he responded, a win. And he was like, 
He's like, were you kidding or are you being serious? And this is in front of like 20 other reporters. I mean, it's Kentucky basketball. A lot of people cover that beat. And so there's a mic that I had to ask a question, and I gave it back to the PR guy. And he told the PR guy, no, no, give him the mic back. Give him the mic back. I want to I keep talking. He's like, he's like, were you being serious with that question, or what are you trying to get at? And I was like, I was just so, like, embarrassed. I was nervous. I was like, oh, I, I just meant, you know, you know, I was, like, trembling. I was like, I, I just meant to ask, like, what did you want to take away from this game besides the winner? And he goes, take away. Next question. And I can tell you right now, though, people told me and they're like, hey, like some of the other reporters in the in the media room were like, he's a hard guy to talk to. So being able to take that from him, they were like, that's a badge of honor. So that helped with the sort of embarrassment and anxiety. But yeah, I that still sticks with me almost four years later. Sparring with him. Um, there's a few here that I could choose. Um which is terrifying, but I'll pick one. When I was a freshman, the first story I ever wrote, um, it was for uh, the student newspaper, The Post at Ohio University. And the sports editor sent me out to write a story about Athens High School's uh, best receiver. Um, and his name was Ryan Lerman. And I interviewed him. I interviewed the coach. And I was like, all right, that'll be fine. And he goes, do you, the coach goes, do you need to talk to anybody else? And I said, no, I think I'm okay. So I went back and I turned in a two source feature story that was like a, probably like 800 to a thousand words or something like that um, without interviewing Joe Burrow, the quarterback who was the receiver's best friend and um, the one who was throwing him like five touchdowns a game. And I remember I was watching that state championship game where they lost to Toledo Central Catholic. Uh, and I looked at it and I went, I think I screwed up here. I didn't use the word screwed up. I was a little more vulgar than that, but um, yeah, it, it's just an embarrassing feeling when you look at something and you're like, I did not do a good job here. And it would have been a cool thing to do personally as well as professionally. So that's crazy. That's yeah, that, that is a crazy thing to think about, like not even realizing what that guy would do seven years later. But, you but you know, that's not on you. you, you no one would have ever thought that he would do the things that he did, except him, obviously. But I get that. I, I definitely have felt that before. What about you, Mike? I, don't, I, I do not have anything that's coming to mind. Uh, in terms of like depressing, I could say I freelanced uh, for years in, in Michigan and, and uh, I got paid and the check bounced. Oh man. And it was like a, it was like a bigger company, not just like an individual. It was like from a company account and the check bounced. That's the problem. Oh man, that's rough. Ah, that 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 tops anything I could think of. Man, that's that's an experience I couldn't even imagine that. But man, props to you for getting through that. But man, that was fun. I know that that was kind of a curveball. I was thinking I want to make this a little different, but uh, maybe next week I'll I'll make it a little more uh, a little more fun because I know that was a little kind of had to dig into the vault for that one, but. Once again, thank you all for joining us for this bi-week edition of Strictly Stripes. We're going to be back next week as we talk about the big game at Pittsburgh, a must-win for the Bengals, which really every game is a must-win, but especially when you're 0-3 in the division, you don't want to go 0-4. So we'll talk about that game and everything going into that, along with the biggest takeaways and opinions moving forward for that week. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you next week. Here we go.